0: You may be seated, but if you have a Bible, please turn to Proverbs chapter 12, Proverbs chapter 12 tonight, and we will take a look at the first seven verses of chapter 12. I've been really blessed to be going through the Proverbs. It's, it's, uh, it's neat to go through them and re-go through them because you're always learning something. The Word of God never gets old. You know, we get more mature as we go into the word and as we're growing in this walk with Christ, you know, we come into different areas of our life so that when we're in a different part of the text, you know, the Lord will pull things out that minister to you right where you are at. So here in Proverbs chapter 12, verses one says, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. But he who hates correction is stupid. Now, a lot of kids like to use this as a memory verse. They like this one. They like to tell their their parents, I like this verse. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Now, the word uh, stupid in the the Old English is brutish, but it's a more common word that we use. Use it speaks of a foolishness when we don't love in God's instruction or we're not following his knowledge. You know, we come out looking the fool. But the wise loves and follows God's instruction. But the wise also knows that correction isn't fun. Correction is never fun. But it's a tool that God will use to benefit your life. It's a tool that God will use to benefit your life. God says it is. He will use the tool of correction and instruction and knowledge so that we are not stupid. So it's a necessary tool in our lives to listen to correction. And Personally, it's important that we're in the Word of God. When we're in the Word of God, the Word of God will correct us Himself to where somebody doesn't have to correct you. I remember I mentioned it before. I went to work uh, early in the morning. I didn't read the Word that morning. I went to work and I sat down and I rebuked somebody. I said something to them. And right away, man, I was in a whole lot of uh, troubled waters with my boss. But if I would have read the word that morning, I wouldn't have made that mistake and corrected that fool because that's what the Bible calls it. So Hebrews chapter 12 verse 11 talks about correction, that God loves those he corrects. He corrects those who he loves. Let me read it to you. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 11 says to you, church, Now, no chastening seems, or correction, seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So God's word will teach us and give us instructions. God's correction will do a work of his spirit in our lives. But here, Hebrews says, painful. Correction sometimes to the believer is painful. The the Hebrew or the Greek word here is grievous. Correction sometimes to the believer can be grievous to us. And meaning sorrow or the word sorrow or pain or grief, annoyance, affliction. That's that word for chasing or correction that the Christian will experience correction or chastening where we are going to expect to feel the emotions of sorrow. You're going to feel grief. You're going to feel an annoyance in your life. Maybe God's trying to get your attention. Sometimes we're not reading the Word of God and we're not following or applying His instructions. And oftentimes He'll correct us bringing sorrow into our lives or grief, or an, some kind of an annoyance that God is trying to get our attention. He's trying to teach you something. Maybe we're resisting. Like the children of Israel, we're resisting God, what God wants to do in our lives. And like the children of Israel, they were resisting God, and they were continually complaining. They were complaining about their sorrow, their grief, their annoyance of eating manna over and over, walking in circles over and over and over. But God was trying to teach them a lesson. But they were complaining in the wilderness. So God uses things like this to get our attention. He'll allow annoyances in our life. People in our life to buffet us. Paul also had a a minister of Satan to buffet his flesh. He asked for three times for it to go away. It didn't go away. And, and God said, my grace is sufficient. It was to keep him humble. But God is trying to get our attention. But after going through it, after going through and learning from God's correction, whether, whether it be sorrow or grief or some kind of annoyance or an affliction or pain, after God gets us through that, as we yield to God and His correction, the Bible here says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, it yields a peaceable fruit. God's going to do a work of His Spirit in you that you cannot achieve on your own. We have to give in to correction as Christians. And God will allow things to come into our lives to correct us. But you see, this correction is also uh, a training. It trains us. The second part of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 11, it says uh, that we're trained by it. We're trained by correction. It's an inward exercise that one can only benefit by submitting to it. I need to submit to when God corrects me. And a lot of times I think, Oh, the devil's doing it. No, God is trying to get my attention. God is allowing things in my life to correct me because I'm wrong. And often we need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, are you trying to teach me something? Is this something I need to go through? What is the affliction? So I really have to understand what I'm going through, whether it be annoyance, pain, a time of suffering. It could be God is using that as a vehicle to get my attention. Uh, speaking of a pearl, an oyster, you know, it formulates what happens to it. It it gets a little bit of sand in the oyster, and then it starts secreting these these uh, these chemical reactions. It starts it starts kind of spitting at it, and over time, that irritant in that clam becomes a beautiful pearl. And the same thing with us; those annoyances in our life could be actually doing God doing a work. In our lives, consider the life of Joseph. He was, thrown in pri- he was thrown in a ditch by his brothers. They hated him. They mocked him. They sold him into slavery. He was a slave in Egypt for many years. He was falsely accused of, of rape. Then he goes to prison for another uh, time. And then they, somebody promises them to, to remember him, to get him out. And they forget about him. So he's over and over. So his life was full of misery and pain. And sorrow and suffering. But he became next in line to the throne of the king of Egypt. God used him. What people meant for evil, God meant it for good. And the same thing goes for us today. We could have allowances in our life, but the allowances in us should cause us to grow better, not bitter. And often when we experience as Christians sorrow or pain or the act of correction... We don't like it right away. We want to put up our dukes. We want to fight. We want to retaliate instead of saying, Lord, what do you want to teach me? Think of David. Remember David. David was the king of Israel. Remember who was his betrayer, who took over and did a coup in David's kingdom? It was his son, his son. And as he was leaving Jerusalem, as as his son takes over, just think of the emotions my own son betrayed me. You know and 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 then he's he, you know he basically he's taken his wives and he's taken his kingdom and then there's this one guy who's throwing rocks at David and calling him names and 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 Dave, Dave, one of David's men his right hand man says, "Hey David, just give me the word. I'll go over there and I'll I'll lop his head off. I'll chop his head off." And David says, "No." David says, uh, "God is allowing it." God is allowing it. And David humbled himself and went into the wilderness. And God took care of business. God took care of Absalom. You see, David submitted to it. And his heart was trained by it. And our hearts should be trained by it. So, submitting to it, we're better off. You know, like me too, when I do martial arts and I spar with people, I like to lose. I lose often, but it's not a bad thing that when I lose because I'm always learning, I come back a little bit better, a little bit wiser. So we're going to go through certain things, but the next time we approach that thing or we're going through uh, correction, whether it be by annoyance or some kind of affliction or pain, uh, I'm not going to approach it the same way I'm going to yield. Why? Because God is training me. God is going to produce something in my life. I just need to submit to His correction. But here, verse 2 says, A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of wicked intentions he will condemn. Now, the word obtain means to draw out or to cause to go out to. So, how we conduct, uh, how our conduct is actually benef- benefits us. It benefits the recipient. You know, we, we get favor from God because we're we're walking in His ways. But we too must take a regular heart check with our intentions. We must take a, a regular heart check with our intentions. You know, what is my motive? Because right here, the second part says, but a man of wicked intentions he will condemn because a lot of times we want to do great things. We want to do good things. But behind what I want to do, sometimes there could be wrong intentions. I really need to check my heart. The remember back in, in Acts in when the first church came together, it said Barnabas sold all his possessions and he went into the ministry. He, he sold everything. They gave everything to the Lord And, you know, people were like stirred up and they're like, well, I want to give too. I want to give that way. But they were giving in a way that was an intent was to mislead. There was something going on in their hearts. Let me read to you. Acts chapter five, verses one through 11, talking about Ananias and Sapphira. They had a good they wanted to do a good thing, but the intent of their heart was wrong. So whether I do something for the Lord, I'm called is my intent right I need to pray, Lord. Let my my words, my actions, my the intent of my heart be true with you. Let it not be for selfish ambition. It said here in Acts chapter five, verses one through eleven. But a certain man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold eight, sold their possessions, and they kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it, and they brought it. They bought a certain part of it, and they laid it at the apostles' feet. So here they were, they sold all their possessions, and they got a lot of money for it, and then they, they gave only a portion of the proceeds, and they said, we give an all to the Lord. Well, the Lord knows the intentions. See, their intent was to gain favor. Satan filled their heart. So, verse 3 says, But Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? And then he said, While it remained, was it not your own? And while it was after it was sold, wasn't it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? For you have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias heard these these words, and he fell down, and he breathed his last. He died. Wicked intentions. God took care of it. And the young men, it says, arose, and they wrapped him up, and they carried him out, and they buried him. And verse 7 says, now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what happened to her husband. And Peter answered her and said to her, Tell me whether you sold it for this much. And she said, yes, for this much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband, they are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down from her feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and they found her dead lying on the floor. They carried her out and they buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon the church and upon all those who heard these things. See, what started out right, doing something right with wrong intentions can be disastrous. So I need to check my heart. Why am I doing this? Why do I want to give? Why Is it for people to see me? Is it Why do I want to serve? Is it for recognition? Is it for pride? Why do I want to do the things that I want to do? And a lot of times people pick and choose what they want to do. Oh, I want to do that ministry, but I want to do this ministry. What what are the intentions? Are they self-serving or are they God-serving? We're called to be servants of God. I should be be able to serve anywhere. So starting out right or doing what is right is good, but we always have to check our intentions because wrong intentions can be disastrous for us. Verse 3 says, A man is not established by wickedness but the root of righteousness cannot be moved. Let me read that again. A man is not established by wickedness, but the root of righteousness cannot be moved. So the word established here is associated with stability or to kind of be firmly established. So the wicked or wickedness brings to your life, wickedness brings to your life instability and condemnation. Instability and condemnation. And I, if I'm doing wicked things, I'm going to be unstable and I'm in ready for judgment, condemnation. But the righteous here, it's the righteous are rooted. I need to be rooted. And being rooted is a picture of firmness. It's, it's a picture of... Of permanence. And in God there's stability. When we're rooted and there's firmness, there's permanence, there's stability in God. When we're deeply rooted and we cannot easily be moved away. Remember the parable of the the sower. Jesus said in Matthew chapter uh, 13 verses uh, 4 through 9. Remember Jesus said... That he sowed some seed and some seed fell on the wayside and the birds came and devoured it. And some came on, some fell, the seeds fell on stony ground that didn't have much earth. And immediately they sprung up because they had no depth of earth. But the sun was up and it scorched them because they had no root and they withered away. And some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and they choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, and some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. So the top layer, those who are on the wayside, am I rooted deep? I I really have to ask that question. Am I rooted deep in the things of God? Am I rooted deep into His Word? Because I could fall into these uh, four soils here. Am I rooted deep into God's word? Is there stability in my life? It produces stability. But the top layer, the wayside, is the hearer who is not rooted. And we see the birds came and ate what was intended to be planted. The birds are symbolic of demons. They immediately received it with joy, but they were taken away. There was a lack of death, a depth. The second is the stony places, no depth also, no earth, they hear with joy. You could be a hearer of the word of God with joy, but you won't endure. What happens is temptation comes in, tribulation and persecution comes because of the word and immediately the person will stumble because there is no root. And that's why we see many people go back into the world. They can't handle persecution. The third, it says, those planted among thorns is he who hears the word of God. They're hearers of the word of God. But the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and they become unfruitful. Unfruitful. Those with, again, with no depth. They only have a little depth. That's why people who are, don't have no depth, there's no stability. That's why they go and come. No stability. We need to be in the Word. But Jesus, here speaking of those who are established and rooted, says in Matthew 13, 23, he who receives seed on good ground is he who hears the word of God understands it bears fruit and it produces a hundredfold, sixtyfold and thirtyfold there's, there's there is a reproducing that comes with being rooted in the word of God listening to correction being rooted excuse me but verse 4 here turns from uh, our personality and being corrected and and wickedness verse 4 turns in towards relationships it says here an excellent wife is a crown of her husband but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones David Guzik said a man may achieve success in many areas of life but unless there is happiness in home All other achievements are empty. So, to a man, an excellent wife brings a true crown of success. You see, our wives should add or complement the husband. Each wife should add to or complement her husband. She should be seen as his greatest strength and his greatest supporter. Wives, you should be your husband's assistant and major uh, cause of strength and support. If not, we are like rottenness in his bones. It speaks of decay from within. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verses 9 through 12, it speaks of a relationship. It says two are better than one because they have A good reward for their labor. So in a relationship, we are to help each other in our labor. You're to support each other in a relationship. Number two, it says, if one will fall, the other will lift up their companion. But woe to him who falls when he is alone. How can he get up? So she's not only to help him in in the area of finance and labor, but she's also to help him and to support him as a companion. Least he fall. We're to protect each other in these relationships. It's good to have companions to lift each other up. Again, Ecclesiastes says, If two lie to get down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm when they are alone? So again, in relationship, there's that companionship. There's that intimacy bond uh, of, of togetherness and warmth. And that warmth doesn't necessarily speak of intimacy. Okay? The biblical uh, love, it, it's, it goes beyond the act of intimacy. It's unconditional love. It's a love that we should have for each other in a relationship. Is not a give to get. It's love because I made a commitment. I made a commitment to my spouse and I made a commitment to God. I made vows, so I'm going to keep them. I'm going to honor my God. And he blesses us when we honor him. But it also, the Bible speaks of our relationship is to be friendly and warm and to be kind. And if we're in a relationship, our spouse should be special. More than sports or any other thing or any other relationship. And then it goes on in relationships there in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 12. It says, uh, it's, it's, it speaks of one may be overpowered by another, but two could withstand him." In other words, in a relationship, we are to defend each other. We should never be talking bad about our spouses or our loved ones. If you hear your brother or your sister talking bad about your spouse, encourage them not to do that. You take that teacher role. Bring them aside like Ananias and Sapphira and say, you know what? It's better that you either do this in private. It's it's not good what you do. Defend each other. Protect each other. But a beautiful thing here in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Though one may be overpowered by another, and two could withstand him, but a threefold cord is not easily broken. In other words, bringing the Lord in that relationship as the center of that relationship, that relationship will flourish. So following God's word and his guidelines for relationships will lead to experience lasting excellence and lasting fulfillment man you know god always knows better that's why i want it if i'm in a relationship or i want to be in a relationship i want to do it according to god's standard his ways i need his guidance i need his wisdom why to be the man that he's called me to be if you're not in a relationship you still need to pray that god would make you the person. That he's called you to be. Whether you're a man or a woman. We need to live according to God's word. His standard. And have him transform us. And then we're the Lord's. We are to give glory to him. We are the church. If we're we're not married. We belong to Christ. He's our spouse. And we are to honor him in our relationship. We will experience when we follow God's word. In regards to relationship. We will follow experience excellent work of God's spirit in us and we will experience lasting fulfillment but to reject God's standard uh, causes both shame and decay if I choose to do things my way or if I'm stubborn in my relationship and my relationship roles it will produce shame and decay From the core within, it will manifest itself outward how we treat others. If I'm not treating my spouse the way God wants me to treat my spouse, it will manifest itself how I treat my spouse. How I treat my spouse. It's very important how we treat our spouse. In verse 5, it says, The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. You see, our thoughts. Are only deemed right in God's sight. When our thoughts are aligned with Scripture, I always have to get my thoughts in line with Scripture. Because my thoughts could deviate. Therefore, we need to take careful heed in the area of of the mind. Because where the mind goes, because where our mind goes, our feet will go, our feet will follow. Our mind, our feet will follow. It's just a matter of time. We need to be careful. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 7 says, Let let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon You see, God knows all things. He knows what goes on in here. That's why we need to pray for each other. We need to pray for our spouses. We need to pray for our brothers and sisters. Why? Because the battle is in here. And where the mind goes, the feet will surely follow. It's just a matter of timing. See, Jesus knows all things. Nothing is going to surprise Him. We see this in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 19. It says, For out of the heart, Uh, proceeds evil thoughts. It's already in there. Evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, uh, false witness, and blasphemies. You see, it's just a matter of timing that our thoughts get exposed and it turns into action. It's just a matter of time. Wicked counsel is always wrapped in a deceitful package. Our thoughts lie to us and say, man, this is going to be so sweet. No one's going to see. God knows you're going to get exposed. I'm going to get exposed. I can't. Uh, so I daily need to check my, my intentions in my heart and my thoughts, my thought life. But verse six here says the word, the words of the wicked are lie and wait for blood but the mouth of the upright will deliver them. Let me read that again. The words of the wicked are lion wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright will deliver them. You know, it's important to listen to people when they're speaking in innuendos, innuendos about sex, about Perversion. Be careful if somebody's flirting with you using sexual innuendos and you're married or you're single. Be careful in that area because there's suggestions for impurity and there's evil intentions behind them. They're just looking for opportunity. Why? I know it. I know it. As I remember hearing a guy messing with a young girl and you know what? Where his thoughts were his, came out of his mouth and his feet followed. And it was disastrous for his family. And it could happen to me. It could happen to us. It could happen to you. How do I know? Because we're flesh. We need to be careful when people speak in sexual innuendos or impurities or in evil thoughts because they're just lying in wait. They're lying in wait with evil intentions. They're just waiting for you to open the door. Let your guard down. Oh, he's just a friend. Oh, we're just friends. We're just hanging out. Be careful. Even the greatest and the strongest of men have fallen. We need to be careful. Because sin is always looking for an opportunity. Wickedness is in the heart. And it's looking and it's waiting for opportunity to do sinful things. So listen to what others say, but also listen to what's coming out of our mouths as well. I need to check my heart because what the mouth speaks is what's going to it's what's taking place. And I really need to put my heart in check. Why? Because I don't want to fall, so I need to be even listening to what I'm, what I'm, what I'm speaking, or or even my thoughts. I really need to give them over to the Lord. But the second part here of verse six says, "But the mouth of the upright will deliver them; the mouth of the upright voice will deliver you." The Lord's voice. I need to give attention to the Lord's voice daily in my life. He will deliver me from. wickedness. He will deliver you. Psalms 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. So it's important that we're in God's word. And I'll say it over and over and over every time I teach, be in the word. Christian, be in the word. Why? Because you could be rooted and grounded deep Why? Because trials, temptations, all those things are going to come your way. But if you're rooted and grounded, you're less likely to stumble. And it says here, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. But here in verse 7, it says, The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. So sinfulness is a destroyer. That will bring us down, but the house of the righteous will stand. Wickedness will bring you down. Brother, wickedness and sin will bring you down. Sister, wickedness and sin will bring you down. Don't dabble with it. Forsake it. Repent of it today. Today. Remember, lastly, in closing here, Jesus said... In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rains descended and the floods came and the wind blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. Again, speaking of something deep, am I deep into God's word? And that's why I want to encourage you, Be deep in the word, in prayer, in fellowship. You know, uh, man, the world is getting wicked. It's wicked. So I need the light to shine brightly in me. But sin diminishes our character. It diminishes uh, what God wants to do in my life. It suppresses. It grieves. I need to get rid of sin. Sin. I need to listen to what God's word is teaching me here. It's correcting us. It's correcting us in the area of the mind. It's correcting us in the area of the heart. It's correcting us in the area of our intentions. Why? Because God loves us and he wants to correct us. But we simply need to say, okay, I need to yield. Because what does the first verse say? He who loves correction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid we don't want to look stupid we don't want to be stupid like here in verse 30 uh, 26 of matthew chapter 27 it says but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them i will liken him to a foolish man or a stupid man who built his house on the sand And the rains descended and the floods came and the wind blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Let it not be us. Because we can fall when we don't apply God's word and listen to his instructions. The Christian is better off when we submit to God, resist the devil. He will flee. But I need to submit to God. So Christian be in the word christian pray like never before pray take that inner look ask the holy spirit to transform you he transformed me he promised through the word romans chapter 12 verses one and two he will transform you by the word of god and the work of his spirit and we need both in our life and when we don't we will be lacking we're on our own strength and we're so susceptible to deceit and to a fall. So want to encourage you, be in the word, be in the word, be in the word. Night and day. As all the more as we see this wicked world getting more wicked, I need more of the work of the Spirit in me so that I could live, I could be wise, and I could be stable when this world is so unstable. This world is so unstable. But man, I'm not moved by the world. I you know what? Tomorrow it might all end. I'm not panicking. Why? Because I know God's still in charge. I'm not going to worry about the governor or the the legislators. I'm not afraid of what man can do. I'm not afraid of the virus. You know, death to the Christian is a graduation. I'm going to spend eternity with God. I'm not afraid but I will live wisely and respectfully in this time as the word calls us to. So as we pray, I want to encourage you this week, be more in the word, be more in prayer, be in fellowship, because we love his, and ask the Lord, ask the Lord, help me to love your instruction. Let this not be just, you know, just, dry. Give me a love for this. You know, I remember when I was younger, I didn't like tomatoes. I didn't like avocados. I didn't like, you know, a lot of things. But now that I'm old, man, older, I love onions and I love tomatoes and avocados and, and when they're grilled, you know, uh, my taste buds have changed. But But you see, when we're immature maybe maybe it doesn't the flavor isn't too good and that's where i, I could say lord change my taste buds give me a, a hunger and a drive for your word and you know what if you're honest and you're, you're you're you submit to god in that area man he'll give you flavor he'll give you flavor that you never experienced. so i encourage you be in the word let's pray father we love you lord i thank you for for your instructions, Lord, I, I pray for a change of heart. My heart, my brother's, my sister's heart, those at home. We pray for a change of heart, Lord, that we would love your word. And Father, that it would be manifested, your word would be manifested in the way we live, and the way we behave. And Father, that all things, what comes out of our mouth, what comes into this mind, may it all go through the filter Of the word of God and your spirit, Lord. If there's any areas tonight where we're struggling, Lord. Father, if any areas where we're flirting. With those here who are flirting with those areas. Or are misguided. We pray, Lord, tonight would be a changing point in their life. Before destruction happens. Father, we pray for a sensitivity to the moving of the spirit. In each one of our hearts and each one of our minds. Father, that we would be watchful in this very wicked age, that we would we know that the the enemy lies in waits and desires to destroy us. He desires to rob, kill, and destroy. But Father, we pray, Lord, that we would be in your word, that we would gain wisdom, that we would not succumb to the flesh, our fleshly desires, but that we would be men and women who are moved by your word and your spirit so father we love you we thank you for this text we again we ask that you bless our pastor father we ask that you bless the families represented here uh, in this congregation and those that who are listening at home we pray for a outpouring of your spirit and and a transformation to take place so father we love you we're grateful in jesus name we pray amen ladies i want to encourage